Our text for our devotion this morning is from Hebrews chapter 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. And these are your words, Heavenly Father. Sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. Amen. And your fellow redeemed in Christ, our human reason and faith are often at odds. Martin Luther noted, reason is the greatest enemy that faith has. It never comes to the aid of spiritual things, but more frequently than not, struggles against the divine word, treating with contempt all that emanates from God. God reveals to us in Holy Scripture truth which our human minds finds confusing. For example, God reveals that he is one God, and God reveals that he is three persons, the triune God. Some think this means that Christians worship three gods, because the truth of the Trinity, three in one, literally, does not add up. Another example, the fact that Jesus says the bread in the Lord's Supper is his body is a truth that causes many worldly wise theologians to seek a way around the literal meaning of the words, this is my body. Making it more reasonable, it symbolizes my body. But that isn't what Jesus said. A significant trial for human reason is found also here in Hebrews 11 and its its reference to Genesis 22. There we find one of the hardest events of the Old Testament recorded for us, hard to understand. Here's some background on it. God promised Abraham, in your seed will all nations be blessed. The word seed means a descendant a son. For decades, Abraham and his wife Sarah were unable to conceive a son, but finally, when Sarah is 90 and Abraham is 100, God blesses them with the son of promise, Isaac. Isaac is the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham, the promise that will eventually lead to the incarnation of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. We need to know this basic fact in order to understand why the next part of this event is so difficult for the human mind to think about, to think that God knows what he's doing. What does God tell Abraham to do with this son of promise? Sacrifice him, that is, kill him as an offering. If you do even a little searching on the web, On this topic, you will find great anger, vehement name-calling against God because of his command to Abraham here, sacrifice your son, Isaac. They conclude, 
this is absurd, this is intolerable, this is a God that cannot and should not be believed, this is a God who makes immoral, unethical demands. How could any of that be considered good or just? Abraham is put on the horns of a dilemma. On the one hand, God has promised that Isaac is the seed in whom the promise continues. Isaac needs to be alive to do that. On the other hand, God commanded Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. Isaac needs to die to fulfill that. How can Isaac be both the key to the future and also a sacrifice? The answer that our text from Hebrews gives us does not satisfy the human need for hearing what it considers to be rational and reasonable. God has to make sense to us, we think, or else we will not consider him God. God must fit into our God box, a box made in our own image, or else we will reject him, ridicule him, consider him unethical, unjust, and unloving. But Hebrews teaches us, by faith, Abraham offered up Isaac. In other words, Abraham trusted the word of God God, regardless of the fact that he could not relieve the tension between command and promise. And this is where human pride must be vanquished and where humility is learned. In the book of Job, Job was burdened by the death of his ten children, the loss of all his wealth and even his health. And he was struggling with God, trying to make his case, verging on the sin of thinking that he had the right to judge what God did or allowed. And that's when God told Job, Now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you, and you will answer me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know in our pride, we give in to, the, in to the temptation that somehow God owes us an explanation of all that happens, that he has to do everything so that we can understand it with our puny little minds. We tell God how much he fails, how much his works are unreasonable, how little he actually knows about or cares about us. Human arrogance The idea that God is subject to our ability to understand is the first sin. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. This brings us back to Abraham and Isaac. Abraham believed that even though he had a promise from God, competing with a command from God, nevertheless he would trust that God would resolve that tension. If Isaac must die, then Abraham believed God would resurrect Isaac. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. By faith, 
There are many things we experience in our lives which we do not understand. Natural disasters, murders, accidental death. And God's word reveals truth to us that we often cannot understand either. As I mentioned earlier, how can God be three persons and yet one God? How can the body of the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ be present for us in a little piece of bread for the forgiveness of our sins? How can those who die in faith in Christ be made alive again? These are things we cannot see, we cannot measure, we cannot count. They are not accessible to scientific methodology. They do not seem rational to us. The world will use all of these to tell you that faith in Jesus Christ is a waste of time, that your sky god is nothing but a foolish dream, a drug to ease your anxiety. But the world knows nothing about trust in God. Remember what what Jesus heard from his enemies when he was on the cross. If you are the son of God, come down. They wanted Jesus to be a God they could understand, a God that fit their tiny thoughts. And so it is today. But to all of this, God simply says, you have my promise. Trust me. I am the God who made all things, even you. I am the God who gave my only begotten Son to die for everyone, even you. Unlike Isaac, I did not rescue my son by replacing him with a ram, but my son is the Lamb of God who died for each of you. And my son rose the third day, as foretold, and he lives and reigns forever. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. World and human reason will not rest in their rejection of God's truth and their ridicule of faith. But God keeps his promises. On the third day, Jesus rose from the dead as he promised. And all who believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. God grants such faith in his promise to each and every one of you. In Jesus' name, Amen. And glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.